Well, hello, White Sox fans. How are you guys doing tonight? Watching the White Sox versus the Royals in Game 1 of the series for uh, the next couple of days. And uh, not much has changed. White Sox down 2 to nothing. Uh, two solo shots against Michael Kopech. And uh, bottom of the sixth, and here we are. We're into the Royals' bullpen. As you saw on the graphic on TV... If you are watching the game, they have the second-worst ERA bullpen in baseball. We will see whether that matters at all or not. Welcome to this evening and uh, White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you doing? Uh, you know, trying to uh, weather the storm that uh, this trade deadline might be. Uh, you know, uh, earlier, and we'll talk more about this later in the stream, but you know, earlier today we got the news that, uh, old, uh, Reese McGuire is on the move, uh, for Mr. Jake Diekman. So White Sox got some, uh, bullpen help, which we have talked about on this stream. Uh, Rick Hahn alluding to, uh, that being the priority, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm doing pretty good, man. The wife and I spent, uh, Spent the weekend out in a new RV for the first time. Finally got that thing out. Finally uh, had the opportunity to use it. You know, we've been doing the uh, the RV thing for, oh, I don't know, about four years now. And uh, we bought ourselves a new one this year. Went over to uh, Bear Cave, Michigan. And, uh, you know, did some exploring and some hanging out and some partaking of adult sparkling beverages. And enjoyed the weekend, man. How are you? Not too bad. Um, you know, pseudo-busy, a uh, couple of shows, you know. Um, no baseball, season's over, uh, so we got a little while off until uh, fall ball starts up. Um, yeah, so just uh, watching some baseball and uh, on TV. That's about it, really. Can't complain too much. No, not much to complain about. You know, as far as uh, as my stuff goes, but, uh, you know, the uh, White Sox, this offense, man, it's killing me. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just funny how year after year this Royals team, since they were, you know, one of the top teams in, in the division and they kind of fell off pretty quickly after their little run there. And, you know, regardless of how good or how bad they are, they just have a tendency to make the white Sox look like a little league team. And, uh, you know, you can't figure out why the, you know, the, the white Sox just can't seem to stop the gas and roll over some of these teams that they should be rolling over. And it's 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 befuddling. It's annoying. And quite frankly, I am rather tired of it. <laughs> it does get old pretty quick, you know. Um, <coughs> it's just, me. it's always the same thing, man. It, you know, it's, uh, can't get the timely hit to bring the runner in. Can't, uh, can't hit home runs at home. Um, they did the other day and you saw they won imagine um yeah it's just uh it's aggravating it's everything about this team's aggravating so we'll talk about uh 
the trade deadline, which will probably add to the aggravation. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, w- one of the things that I want to bring up when when we do talk about it is <clears throat> whether you think it's even worth it or not. So uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, yeah. So Kopech's still out in the uh, top of the seventh. He's at eighty-five pitches, which for Kopech, eighty-five Oof. pitches in the seventh—that's uh, that's pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he can't get any uh, offensive support to uh, make this—you know—possibly his best start of the season to date, or at least you know one of his top starts of the season to date can't get any kind of run support it's yeah. a, it's a damn shame the uh, age-old plight of the white Sox starter oh. and it looks like our uh, our favorite pitcher our favorite bullpen pitcher is uh warming up to uh take michael's place in the event that he needs uh relieving this inning sure you know mr jose ruiz yeah sure why not you know um Two nothing against a team you should be beating. Let's uh, let's throw old uh, Wheeze out there. <laughs> so yeah. uh, so it'll be three to nothing if he comes in shortly. <laughs> is my guess. Um, so today the uh, the trade market heated up. Saw a bunch of indeed, uh, bunch of a bunch of moves, a uh, bunch of guys. Changing locations and um, nothing like uh, too crazy yet. Um, one thing that did happen that I want to get your take on was that Shohei Otani was pulled, <laughs> supposedly pulled off of the market by the Angels. And uh, he's got a season and a half left on his contract. And one of the teams that was quote-unquote, in the running uh, was our very own uh, Chicago White Sox. Now, I don't know what kind of package they could put together to uh, try and entice a deal like this, Um, but he was pulled off the table, and, um, you know, as as per usual, the uh, the White Sox had a seat at the table, as it were. Um, I was waiting for that line to come out. Yeah the uh, the whole we tried thing. Um, per usual, uh, it seems like any time any kind of uh, player of how about this? I'll put it this way: when a <coughs> player of consequence, when their name is mentioned with the White Sox. We always get the line afterwards of we had a seat at the table and uh, we felt that we made a very competitive offer. We tried. We tried. Um, are you buying it? Uh, so let me start by saying this. It was it, what I and I'll use the air quotes here, quote unquote, leaked to John Heyman, I believe, that the White Sox were in. And when I hear the word leaked, you know, around the White Sox organization, whether it comes from, you know, uh, Boob Nightingale 
or someone else. The word leaked makes me wonder leaked by whom. And when, especially when it's a name like Shohei Otani, you know, the, the uh, reigning American league MVP and quite possibly the favorite for the American MVP, American league MVP this year. Uh, you know, you got to kind of wonder leaked by who this, this might have been leaked by the very tip top of the organization, in my opinion, and maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I should put my tinfoil hat on when I say things like this, but in my opinion, it could have been leaked out by, I don't know, Kenny Williams or higher, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, the ownership group, uh, just to make it look like, hey, you know, that old seat at the table thing, we were out there, we're trying, we're doing our best. And in reality, it's just uh, a, a line to uh, kind of quell fan uh, expectations. So I don't really know. If you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the thing is, is like you said, what kind of package can the White Sox actually offer for Shohei Otani that doesn't uh, make the team or put the team in a worse situation than it already is in? Because you have to imagine that they're giving up any just about anything that's worth any value in the farm. And the Angels are probably going to want one or two of our major leaguers. And not just, you know, we're not talking about Josh Harrison's and Leary Garcia's of, of the world. You know, you got to think a guy like uh, Luis Robert or Andrew Vaughn or someone of consequence on the team now uh, is going to go that direction. So... You know, really, I, I don't know how much of it I buy. Well, maybe they were in, but, uh, you know, in could have been. We called them, and we tried to offer them Reese McGuire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and exactly. they didn't accept. So. Shocker. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so you bring that up. Uh, so the White Sox received Jake Diekman for Reese McGuire. And uh, I didn't look and see, but apparently there was cash considerations, uh, everybody's favorite player, um, to one way or the other. I don't know who was getting who was getting. I would assume that the uh, that the Red Sox would probably be getting some cash considerations, considering that Deekman's probably making quite a bit more than uh, the old web slinger. Um, so that answers that uh, that question that we had a couple of weeks ago, where. We were wondering that what was going to happen with the fact that the White Sox had three catchers, and uh, when Yasmani came back, was it going to be Sebi or was it going to be Reese McGuire that was going to, you know, either be traded or DFA'd, you know, depending on time periods and whether somebody would want him. But you know, in uh, normal cat- catcher fashion. Um, most people, do, you know, most teams don't have a ton of depth at the catcher position, so it is a, you know, a commodity to be dealt. So Reese McGuire ends up getting shipped out to uh, Boston, and uh, the White Sox get their left-handed reliever uh, back in return. Um, I know that you and I, you know, at least uh, via you know, a thread discussed Jake Diekman's numbers over the last month and how uh, the whip's been pretty, 
pretty bad the last month. Um, and that he's been giving up runs at a, uh, not an alarming rate, but at a significant rate, enough for us to look at it and go, eh, that might not be the best thing. Uh, but uh, he's coming over and Ethan Katz gets to work with him. So I don't know whether or not, how about how about this? I don't know how much stock to put in that, considering the con- command issues that he's had as of late. Um, but I have to think that he's generally pretty good at uh, sorting out these issues. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> at this point, you got to hope because if you look at Deakman's numbers before the month of July, they weren't uh, they weren't too bad actually. It was looking pretty solid. And then you you got to kind of wonder uh, if there was a bit of a dead arm period in there, uh, maybe a little bit of a a slowdown to cool off after you know. Uh, during all-star break, you know, it, it could be any one of these things. Obviously the White Sox saw something that said, you know, Hey, this guy could be of value to us. And I, I hope that it's not just that he's a left-handed reliever. I hope that they saw something that they said, okay, maybe, you know, we can, we can work with them and, and bring that ERA and that whip down just a little bit. Uh, because he was below three early going into the, going into the month of, of July. In, in the area department. And I think the whip was more like a, in the area one, one. So, you know, he's been one of these guys that, that over his career has kind of fluctuated a little bit. You know, he's had a couple of good seasons and a couple of down seasons, you know, he's 34, 35 years old. I can't remember exactly, but he's uh, he's definitely not a young whippersnapper anymore. But again, you know, a guy that's a bullpen arm, there's less mileage on it. They, kind of tend to go a little bit deeper in their career if they've you know if they've got some stuff so uh it could work out to our advantage uh if the white Sox can figure out you know how to use them in the right situations and uh you know keep that whip down but if the trend of the last three to four weeks continues it's going to get real ugly real fast and uh i guess that just remains to be seen but yeah the last three or four weeks has been i mean he the, in that thread, I had said basically that it looked like he had been giving up runs in the month of July, like it was his job. So, yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah, not not ideal. Uh, it's not exactly the kind of bullpen help that normally at the trade deadline somebody's really putting a priority on, other than the fact that he throws with his left hand, <coughs> um, which has been. A weakness as uh, Aaron Bummer has been out, so that hasn't helped things. Um, so I have to imagine that that was the major motivation behind that. And he does he does do really well against lefties. His lefty on lefty is 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 good. Even even over the last month, it hasn't been terrible. Um, I think if I, I looked at it earlier, you know, like a couple hours ago, I'm pretty sure that. Even in this in this stretch, it was not too terrible. Um, so, and he does average a lot of strikeouts versus uh, left-handers. So th- there is that. Um, yeah, I think uh, when he's got like thirty-eight and a third innings pitched in the season, and he, he's like he's over fifty strikeouts. Yep. So he's got that going for him. He's just got to get the walks down a little bit. Uh, he does tend to give up a hit. 
here and there. Uh, so that, you know, doesn't help the whip. But, uh, you know, like I said, there is reason to think that he might have something left in the tank that the White Sox could uh, use. But, you know, the trend, you know, the, the, the question of, of what have you done for me lately is something that baseball fans kind of tend to ask a lot. And if you look at this guy's numbers, you know, lately has not been spectacular. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the whip's been pretty high, uh, 1.541 in July. And uh, 12 innings gave up 10 runs, uh, nine of which were earned. And he walked 10 guys and struck out 18. So... Obviously, that leaves a little bit to be desired, but overall, his numbers for the year so far haven't been too terribly bad. So let's hope that uh, our uh, prediction of uh, cats will fix them is indeed cats will fix them. Yeah, that's indeed becomes a thing, and let's hope that that uh, hope that that takes shape here in the near future. And uh, he comes here, and everything just turns out better. We'll see. <laughs> Well, you know he's got the uh, he's got the Hall of Famer baseball person slash uh, bullpen and pitching guru in a Mister Tony Larusa to uh, yes. lean on now. So, uh, you know, Dave Duncan is out there somewhere, uh, supposedly. Uh, how would you say consulting? Yep, for the White Sox, but uh, you know. I would feel much better about it if Dave Duncan was in the dugout with the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of pushing TLR's well. hand. <laughs> yeah. You the, know, like, can, can we get him to push the pitching buttons a little bit in game? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Even if he wants to watch from, uh, from a, from the, uh, from a luxury box up top, I'd be, I'd be into it. So, uh, Larry Garcia was just up and he was 0 for 2. And he gets perhaps the most layeriest of layery hits, uh, swinging bunt that just happens to roll right to the bag, and it's fair, and he ends up getting a single. Yeah, the defense waiting for it to trickle foul, and it just kind of hugs that line, and Leary beats one out. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the white soxiest of white soxiest things. Yeah, and you know I. Sebi's up now, you know, he's been swinging a, swinging a nice stick lately, so let's hope that uh, he's also 0 for 2 tonight. Let's hope that, uh, you know, as soon as Reese McGuire leaves and that uh, that he does not lose the eye of the tiger when uh, Reese McGuire is now dealt, and now he's like, okay, my job's safe. Let's yeah, ho- pressure's off. Man, I hope that that's not the case. But well, uh, you never know. Maybe the pressure's off, and he, uh, he, you know, he turns into something even more. But uh, he, I don't know. Not likely. He's been uh, he's been pretty solid. Yes, yeah. Since uh, making his way back, and you know, I'm okay with uh, with Reese going. Uh, Sebi's defense has been improved a little bit, but the bat has been playing. And there he goes. He drops. Hey, a, there he goes. Drops a seeing aisle duck, duck snort, as Hawk would say out into a short right field. And we have runners at the corners with nobody out. Well, I'm not going to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Uh, runners on the corners with no outs. Oh, I know. 
White Sox generally not not very good. Uh, but uh, let's hope. You know, I'd be all for uh, at least tying this game up here because this is again this offense is just embarrassing. The fact that they they struggle to get to three runs a game is just absurd. Big Gavin Sheets coming to the dish. Yeah, why not? Then we have a meeting of the minds on the for the Royals. Yes. Time for you to take a seat. We're going to bring in a new pitcher. And they're bringing in the righty to pitch to Gavin Sheets. Okay. All right. You know, it's uh, one of those things. Gavin Sheets comes up to the plate and inspires fear upon the entire opposing pitching staff. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, So obviously Otani's out. Um, Oh, man. So close. But Juan Soto is still reportedly out there. Yeah. Um, what do you think the odds of that happening are? Zero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Short answer. Zero. Zero. Absolutely zero. Uh, yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, is there's a lot of people out there that think it's a, it's in the realm of possibility. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, the, the haul that it's going to take to get this guy and he's only, uh, what is he? Arb two and three. He's got two and, and a half think, years left. Yeah. Yeah. So with that kind of time left on a rookie contract, which sure, he's going to make some money in arbitration. Don't get me wrong. He's he's not going to be cheap by any means. Uh, although this year's production hasn't been as big in past seasons. It's still good. So Yeah. I mean, it's still, it is still good. light years better than what we've had. It is still good. But, you know, you're talking about getting a guy for the next two and a half seasons. It's going to cost. It's going to a guy of his caliber and his age. It's going to cost, and I think it's going to cost more than it's going to do any good for the White Sox. I think the the cost is going to put them in a much worse position than having him on the field is going to uh, do anything for them. So, I'm going to say no. I'm also going to say that the White Sox, you know, if history tells us anything, and we've talked about this on this show, you and I both that uh, the White Sox seem to value their minor leaguers and prospects uh, to, you know, no end. And uh, they're going to want a lot of those guys in return, and the White Sox aren't going to go for that, I don't think. So, Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so, they should ask for a lot of those prospects back, you know? I mean, if they didn't, they would not be doing their job. Right. You know? Um, and so I, I had a thought earlier today. Um, the the Reds traded Luis Castillo to the Mariners. And the Mariners gave up a lot. Um, now, from my... From my vantage point, it looks to me like the Mariners overpaid. Now, the Mariners would say, well, we haven't been to the playoffs in 
35, 46 years, however long. Yeah, it's been, been, a, it's been a long time. They've been pretty close for a few years straight. They have. And they just can't get over that hump. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I saw a tweet earlier, just to your point, about them overpaying. I saw a tweet that Oakland got less for trading Sean Manea, Frankie Mon- uh, you know, and there was like a list. It was like five different players that they, and you know, all decent names. Yep. And they got, they got less than the return for Castillo, you know, so that tells you something. My thinking exactly. So my question is, did that, did that trade establish a ridiculous precedent in this trade market for value. Well, I mean, if it says anything about that, you know, Juan Soto is going to cost, I don't know, your entire farm system. I mean, give me one for the White or, Sox. Give me one. Well, if, maybe for most teams, yeah, you know, I don't enough. know. The, the, the return was redonkulous. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's the way I look at it. Even if you get one of these teams, that has got a, uh, high-end farm system, you're looking at giving up three or four of your top six or seven, I would say, uh, and probably uh, a major leaguer or two in there as well. It's not it, – you're, you're looking at a haul, a haul and a half, if this Mariners trade was any sort of precedence. Now, I don't know if that's something that's in the realm of possibility again this uh deadline you know we've only got until tomorrow afternoon tomorrow early evening what is it four or five o'clock tomorrow night uh the trade deadline ends so you know for these teams to be putting together packages at a furious pace right now i, I really don't see uh a similar haul happening where there's you know six or seven different guys going in one direction for one guy yeah, at least not all of them being high player, you know, like you say, player of consequence type players. I I don't know. Well, I mean, there have been uh, significant people on the move. Uh, we saw the Brewers traded Josh Hader to the Padres, and uh, that was shocking a little bit to me. I, you know, the thing was though is that Josh Hader's contract situation they were not seeing eye to eye, so. He was gone regardless. They weren't going to be able to resign him and uh, might as well get uh, value. And I think that getting Taylor Rogers, which Taylor Rogers has been pretty terrible, um, but getting uh, Rogers, Gasser, and then uh, Asteri Ruiz plus Denilson Lamette, which, you know, Lamette, you know, Tommy John, uh, I believe. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was Tommy John. Um, there's, you know, he was a highly rated prospect when he went down. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think and the he, value. He came, out, he came out looking really good when he made his debut. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, I think that I they think, got uh, very good value on the, uh, you know, the Brewers did really, really well on that. Um, Trey Mancini sent from the Orioles to the Astros. Uh, so that's, you know. And I've seen a, uh, a quite a few Orioles fans that were not thrilled about this as they are finally uh, playing decent baseball, and then you ship out 
like pretty much you know a family member by shipping out Trey Mancini. Um, just a, a you know a very emotional bond between Orioles fans and Trey Mancini and Trey Mancini, you know, vice versa. Um, so that was that was a pretty big one. I was uh, pretty pretty shocked about that one. Um, uh, what was the other one I was thinking of? Oh, uh, the the uh, the Yankees get uh, Frankie Montes um, for uh, I you know the uh, the return is 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 fairly decent. Um, I've seen some. I've seen a few of these guys uh, in the minors, and uh, so there, there's some decent value there uh, in return to the A's. And I'm sure that uh, you know Billy Billy did his due diligence and has uh, all the stats on these guys, and you know knows all the spin rates, which unfortunately I do not have access to uh, from the minors, but. Um, you know, I'm sure that he's got some something up his sleeve there. Although things have not been uh, quite as good for Oakland, but it's mostly be you know due to payroll and them having to uh, let guys walk or trade, you know, the the bigger value players because they can't afford to pay them somehow. Um, yeah, so I mean, there there have been some fairly large names on the move, and it's uh, you know it's. It's been fun, you know, from from an outside viewpoint. I mean, I personally don't expect to see a whole heck of a lot from the White Sox front office, personally. Um, But like I said, one of the things that I wanted to get into here... Now, I know that a trade for a a larger uh, ticket item would make the White Sox better um, in the short term. However, uh, my, my main concern here is, is that if they, you know, the aforementioned player of consequence, the kind of talent that is going to be required to return... Yeesh. Come on! How do you get... Oh, Lord have mercy. Worst base running team in Major League Baseball. Unbelievable. So Andrew Vaughn beats out a high-hopping ground ball with two men on and two out after the White Sox get within one. Oh, he was out anyway. Yeah, I thought I thought he was out. I was kind of surprised that he was standing there. Yeah, no, he's okay. out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So no yeah. harm, no foul, I guess. Fair, but fair still, enough, like, but why are you? Yeah. Why are you even attempted to make that <laughs> from second? You're trying to score from second base on an infield hit. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's one just, thing when it's uh, somebody like uh, you know Yoelki Cespedes or you know somebody with really nice speed. Uh, it's another one. It's Sebi Zavala. And second off, um, what is Joe McEwing doing there? 
because you know, it, because if he's the one who's sending Sebi home on that, say uh, the ball, say, say whatever Andrew Vaughn does make it to first, that guy is not fast, and he would have been out at home, a hundred percent. And that's literally like, you know, they say getting thrown out at third is the worst way to end an inning. Well, thrown out honestly, at home get, on that. Get, getting thrown out at home on an infield hit. While trying to score from second, trying to score from second with a guy who's not, you know, known for uh, his blazing fast speed. That is just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, we could talk about Joe McEwing all season long has made really, you know, in, in, let me back up just a second here and say that I don't mind being aggressive in the right situations, put the pressure on the other team to make a play, make a throw and make it perfect. Fine. I get that. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, on the socials, they're going to say, Oh, they're dirt. You know, you got to force these things. You got to force them, but there are certain situations when you don't do it in and you don't do it when you have a man on second, trying to beat out a throw at home on an infield play. Yeah. There, I mean, there, there is, such a thing as being aggressive and then there is a there's also such a thing as being reckless showing awful judgment downright stupid yeah. downright stupid yeah, uh, i'll I, just come out and say it i kind of feel like we're wandering into that territory um yeah there's a uh, a time to be prudent and a time to be aggressive and that particular situation with your base runner being Sebi Zavala, it does not seem like the time that I would want want to be aggressive. You know, I don't know if I would have sent Luis Robert from second base on that. I mean, it was an infield hit to the second baseman. Yeah. You know, Luis Robert would have made that much closer, but let's be honest, Sebi Zavala was out by five steps. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> regardless, you know, like Luis you said, might have made him closer, but. Yeah, there, it doesn't. It doesn't end up mattering because Andrew Vaughn is out at first. But right. you know, say Andrew Vaughn's a a step faster, and then that guy does throw home, like <laughs> not even not even close. So uh, yeah, bad <laughs> bad judgment. Uh, so back back to the uh, the thought here. Oh. Is that if the if the White Sox want to get somebody of consequence, and by all accords, that's what Rick Hahn is supposedly looking into, and who he's getting a seat at the table for is is guys that have, you know, that are actually going to realistically do something for the White Sox. However, the the issue is, from my viewpoint, is that if you are going to get one of those guys um even say you know Shohei Otani okay he's got a year and a half of control i don't feel you know if if he was an expiring contract i think that what you would have to give up to get him i would not do that with this team because i think that you're going to have to end up stripping the farm system to, to land a guy like Shohei. And the issue I have with that is that this team, 
that is playing on the field right now that is losing 2-1 to the Kansas City Royals, who have worse offensive numbers than them in almost every category, yet the White Sox can't manage to beat this team consistently. That's who you're going to clear out your farm system for to get, you know, if, if it, you know, say if Shohei was a half a, you know, if he was an expiring contract, that you're going to trade away a couple of your top prospects to get a guy like that. Just to get through the push this season. It maybe to get through, maybe win a series. And I, to be honest, I don't know if I trust the rest of this team to not do what they've been doing all season to the point that it is going to infect the other person that comes to the team. Well, you know, I'm glad you bring that up, actually. Because now we've seen twice in recent times where guys on the White Sox are interviewed by someone outside of the organization, even outside of Chicago in the national media. And they have things to say, you know, they're asked the question of, you know, what is the issue with this White Sox team that was supposed to be the team that pretty much walks away with the Central just like they did last season. And first it was Liam Hendricks, you know, a couple weeks ago, says, well, you know, I just don't think uh, we did the things that we were supposed to do in the offseason and in camp. The guys kind of just felt uh, like uh, we were going to roll out of bed and do it again. We were going to roll right into the season and win the division handily by, you know, 20 games or whatever. You know, we had that feeling. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I'm not quoting them. But uh, we saw that a few weeks ago. And then just recently, Lucas Giolito goes and interviews with Chris Rose. And Lucas Giolito says basically the same thing. Uh, Guys have just kind of gotten complacent. They got it in their head that we're too good not to win this division. And pardon me. It looks like I'm shaking my head here. But... uh, you know, while we were camping, I uh, I got myself into some chiggers, man. I got chigger bites all over my ankles here, so I'm itching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scratching my ankles while I talk, so I apologize whoever's watching the stream. Uh, but anyways, yeah, you know, you get Lucas Giolito come out and say, well, it, it, the, the word he used was complacent. That is not, you know, you got complacent and uh, what was Liam Hendricks' word? Uh, whatever it was. It's not the kind of thing you want to hear from guys that are considered, you know, kind of leaders on this team that are basically calling your team out and saying, you know, we're just not prepared. We we, we just we, we thought we were going to roll into this season and roll over the division like we did last season and walk away with it. And, uh, you know, now we're having to try to get out of this funk. You know, we're realizing that that's not going to happen and we're trying to get out of this funk. And again, all those Tony Larusa stands, I gotta point at your Hall of Famer baseball person manager and say, you know, where was the leadership to get these guys out of this funk? Winning is a culture. And if you don't breed that culture of winning, you're essentially by process of elimination 
breeding a culture of losing. And I'm sorry. It's your job to make sure that these guys get up out of bed every day, ready to go out and play baseball with the same kind of fervor that a championship team does, whether or not you think on paper, you're, you're the, you're it, but you know, obviously you are not at this particular moment. You are barely 500 for the last three months. You know, it's it, actually, you go back to middle of last season there. They've been hovering around 500 for a year now. And it's a damn shame to yep. hear your leaders say the things that they're saying right now. What's up, Grim? Oh, hey, what's <laughs> Grim up? Tall in the chin. How you doing? Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's ugly, man. Um, if guys on the team are saying that about themselves, you know, I don't know if they're specifically talking about themselves or not. Um, but just the fact that that is a thing that's said, it makes you wonder, why aren't you doing something about it? Right. You know, and, and like, I, like I said, Liam brought this up weeks ago. And now Lucas is bringing it up, and it sounds like it has been pretty obvious to the team and to the players for some time. This isn't something that just, you know, we're just now hearing about it, but it's not something that they just figured out. It sounds like they're fairly convinced that that's what it is. And if they're saying this publicly. Yeah, what's being done to rectify it? Does that not say something about the leadership from the manager of the team? Right. And we're not seeing that, that preparedness. No, we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that fire. We're not seeing that will to win, as Hawk would say. It, it, there's a there's a, a a lackadaisical feeling about this team. There's a flatness, and it, you know we just talked about the base running. We're watching Sebi Zavala trying to score from second base on an infield bouncer. You know, and how many times have we seen just? outright dumb mistakes made by guys who, yeah, this is the one place I'll say, you know, all the people who want to place the blame on the players. I'm not saying the players are without fault. When I call out Tony LaRusa, they are absolutely within fault. These are guys that are, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) But these are guys that are paid millions of dollars. They've been playing this game their whole life. How do you make, some of the most ridiculous base running mistakes I've ever seen. And we're seeing it in multiple occasions on this, in this one single season. So yeah, what's being done. What, what is actually being done? Yep. It's falling asleep in the dugout. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And I'm going to bring that up on the, uh, up here on the screen. Um, as you can see here, um, this is all over social media right now. Um, there is footage, uh, you know, that Tony LaRusso was caught going into the, uh, the bottom of the first in the dugout and his eyes are heavy. He looks like he's ready to go to sleep. It's the first inning. It, I mean, that if, if there was ever a picture of a narcoleptic, <laughs> that was it right there because it was obvious. It's like watching a three-year-old fall asleep with a bowl of mashed potatoes in front of his face. 
you know. <laughs> Tomorrow at, at 5 p.m. Central is the trade deadline. The White Sox are two games out of first place, and the manager is falling asleep in the dugout in the first inning. What is going on here? Like I, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. You know, it's it's that bad. Like I just I don't get it. How stuff like this is, <coughs> it's all over the place, and yet we're still talking about this stuff. It's like the front office is oblivious to it. You know, and the old saying that Jerry is loyal to a fault. You know, uh, I don't know how you can dispute it at this point. Uh, You know, they say actions speak louder than words. And you can tell me that, you know, you feel like you're getting older and you want to bring another championship to the south side of Chicago. And then you, your actions tell me that you really all you're concerned about is making your friends feel better. You know, you want to go to the grave with a clean conscience and not a championship. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's, that's concerning. Uh, you know, we've made jokes about him being sleepy in the dugout before, but we have never seen him literally falling asleep in the dugout. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it probably will be a sub alert at some point, um, because that's a pretty fantastic, uh, little video. Um, it inspires yeah, lots of, uh, excitement. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, old Elroy gets himself a nice little, uh, liner through the infield to, uh, get the, the base runners rolling here in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah. One out. Grandal's what, uh, up. Yes. Can do. Yeah. I mean, it's entire. You know, we're waiting for uh, for Yasmani to uh, get that power stroke going. You know, so far it's been nothing really but singles and walks. So certainly would be. You know, and I don't. I'm not normally that guy who uh, says, "All right, let's hit a home run here." You know, I'm not normally that guy. But it, man, it sure would be nice for uh, him to uh, bail out this team right now with a home run. Because uh, Lord knows that the uh, that Tony Larusa, he's not getting excited about any of this stuff. So it'd be nice to uh, have somebody do something to inspire some sort of uh, excitement here. Um, it is just it is beyond me. The one of the worst bullpens in baseball. One of, and really not a great starting staff. Can't put up any runs. Yep. You know, here's a guy. What I mean, their starter. What was his ERA? Like eight. Yeah. Uh, the guy. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just been. You know that that's a thing. Is that the White Sox? It's not like they've been facing a gauntlet of Cy Young hopeful pitchers here. Like we're talking number five starters. Or like the three pitcher from Triple A teams are just completely handcuffing this White Sox team. I mean, we just eked out the series against Oakland. Eked. 
barely, barely took two from Oakland. It didn't look great. I mean, I'll take the W. I'll yep. take both of those Ws. And no, by all means, I like to watch my team win. But I mean, come on. Yep. And on. Uh, as we're sitting here talking, uh, Yasmani waves at an outside uh, change or slider. I couldn't tell which one it was. Uh, but everybody's favorite switch hitting. Yeah. Two outfielder, outfielder, pitcher. Yeah. Two outs, bottom of the eighth, man on man on base. And per usual, the guy coming up to the plate, Larry Garcia. Oh, Larry Baseball is the guy that you're counting on, bottom of the eighth. All to at least tie the, the ball time. Game. I just <laughs> don't understand. What do you think Aloy is thinking standing on first base right now as Leary stares at strike one and strike two? <laughs> He's probably thinking, all right, well, I better go get my glove. I'm ready to get out to left field, you know? Or uh, I'm trying to think. Is he, is he DHing tonight or is he in left field tonight? I didn't even He's in know. left. He's in left. So. He's in left. Yeah, so he, is, do, he, he was plodding around out there. Do you think they uh, they pull a defensive switch for him? With who? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody, somebody's got to play left field. Oh, uh, I guess you know. Pollock. Yeah, I don't know. It's no matter what. It's uh, the uh, prioritization <laughs> of offense over defense. Once again, plus, you know, adding on injuries, there's not really a whole lot that can be done. Um, but, I mean, you know, on the plus side is that uh, Leary has managed to get his batting average up above 200. So there is that. Yeah, whole 212. Yeah. Just just eking over the Mendoza line. Yeah, and, the, you know, from 211 to 212 was that uh, swinging bunt that just happened to not go foul <laughs> earlier. That's, that's how... That's how Larry's raising up his uh, his numbers. I mean, we're it's August first, and Larry Garcia has seventy four starts out of your hundred and one games, uh, seventy five out of a hundred and two now, and he has a forty five OPS plus. The guy has started. Oh, Lord have mercy. <sighs> yep. Grounds out weekly to the shortstop. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I you can't I. You can't expect anything else. Like I said, the guy has a forty-five OPS plus, and it's August first, and he started three quarters of your baseball games. Yeah, and, and you know you can talk to me about injuries all you want. There are other players on this team. There are other people can, on the forty-man roster that could certainly that at least fill these holes. At least get you a seventy-five OPS plus. You know, I mean, this is uh, it is pathetic. Um, oh, really making me wish I had one of those adult sparkling beverages right now. <laughs> yeah, this team. It's like they say. Boy, you're going to drive me to drinking. If you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. I just um, stick to my, my uh, 
electrolyte drink. Your, here. your old Gatorade, huh? Well, you know, you got that thing called uh, work. It's a four letter word. Yep. In the AM. So, you know, if if I start cocktailing while I watch a White Sox game, uh, it, it might not stop. Unfortunately, I, I might I might lose the uh, the will to uh, stop myself at, at the right particular moment. And, you know, dragging this old ass out of bed in the morning might become difficult. <laughs> so. Um, so trade deadline it's tomorrow at five. Uh, do you expect the White Sox to do anything of consequence? Uh, do I expect? Do you th- uh, how about do you, do you think they will? Do you think do you think that Rick Hahn's going to go out? And we've heard from everybody that the White Sox are not going to be sellers. Okay, which okay, that's fine. I understand that they don't want to sell and get rid of people, but do you see them taking talent from the minor league rosters? and trading it for something to assist this team that we are watching on TV right now? You know, I, I don't know. It's it's a really good question that is really difficult to answer. So I'll, I'll answer it this way. We started out this show talking about having a seat at the table. I will say that I think they will continue to have a seat at the table, but whether or not any fruit uh, comes from that is a different story. I personally, you know, I saw uh, the Giants might be shopping a one Carlos Rodon. (laughs) Now, I know how ridiculous that sounds. I and I also know how much they're probably going to want for him. And I see White Sox fans pining for it to happen. And I too am pining for it to happen, but I am also a realist and know that that cost is not going to be cheap because as we all know, it was a 2-year deal over there in uh, San Francisco, which means not only does he have the rest of this season, but the White Sox will end up with another year of control next year. It's not going to come cheap for the guy who is uh, possibly, well, he's in probably in the top three in in the in the league in uh, what would consider you know Cy Young pitchers at the moment. So, you know, I don't know. A reunion would be great. I don't expect it. I Six do expect months later, a reunion. Because that's I, literally I what ex- you're looking at. Yeah. It would be fantastic, but uh, I, I don't expect it. I expect to hear the White Sox had a seat at the table. That's what I expect to hear. I expect to hear that the White Sox were uh, looking at Jock Peterson and Carlos Rodon, and unfortunately someone else had something else to offer that we just couldn't afford to give up, so we were out on them too. Which which is completely fair to say. But, you know, if if they traded and they made some sort of deal where they trade for Jock Peterson and Carlos Rodon, people should show up to 35th and Shields with pitchforks 
and torches. Because the fact that all it would have done was cost some money before the season started. Before the season started. Uh, and actually using your payroll to maximize the talent as opposed to signing a, you know, as much as I, you know, I like Joe Kelly. I like Joe Kelly a lot, but he was injured when he signed him. He was injured and you paid him $18 million and you signed Kendall Graveman, you know, which I forget how much it is. It's uh, somewhere along the lines of $16 million or something like that for two years for him. Uh, that you know, and then you paid Josh Harrison, and you extended Larry Garcia, and that was that was your moves. You know, had they spent a little bit of cash money, they could have had those two guys. You know, and instead you replace him with Vince Velasquez, who has been injured for two and a half months, and who is making his. Uh, I think he's making his debut in Charlotte tomorrow on a rehab start. Um, so maybe they get him back. I know I know that you're sweating bullets worried about whether or not the White Sox are going to get Vince Velasquez back because he meant so much to the team. Um, but, uh, you know, it's almost as good. You know, it's, it's like a, it's like a tread, you know, trade deadline win. You know, when Vince Velasquez comes back, it's almost like making a blockbuster trade. Sure. All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a it's an absolute shame. It's an absolute shame. And I'm glad you brought up, you know, Joe Kelly in that situation. Because if we're going to talk about Carlos Rodon at all, and the reason that so many, you know, you were either a part of one school of thought or another on Carlos Rodon. If you were like us at the beginning of the season and saw the progression of Carlos Rodon over the last couple of years and how it seemed as though, you know, once he was able to get his injuries taken care of the way they should have been probably, you know, years and years ago, you saw that there. Yeah. Jim Bob looking great. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you probably saw that he would think that there was indications that Carlos Rodon's injuries were a thing of the past. At least it seemed that way. Then you, uh, there were the other people that were on the school of thought that, well, he's just got this history and uh, they can't afford to offer him anything. So, you know, it, they had to let him go. They had to. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no way they can sign him for 20 plus million dollars a year because it's too much of a risk. But you took a risk on Joe Kelly, who literally had throwing arm issues and missed a bunch of time. And you paid him 18 million bucks. That's no small chunk of change for a guy who's fighting nerve issues at his elbow or shoulder or whatever it was and was going to miss the first part of the season. He's a pitcher, by the way. You know, and he's also a he's pitcher. Got, he's got nerve bicep uh, nerve issues, and he's a pitcher, and it's in his throwing arm. So how could we use the excuse of we don't want a guy who's got an injury, a pitcher who's got injury history in his throwing arm? 
when you turn around and you did it for a reliever. And you spend money on a guy with arm problems. Exactly. It's, uh, it, it, you know, you're talking standard. out of the side of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is bizarre. So. Um, yeah, I don't. It's hard to defend, you know. And I, I for a long time, I considered myself to be uh, an ardent Rick Hahn supporter. Um, but as do I. Yeah, well, you know what? You got to spend these uh, these twelve thousand channel points somehow. You're gonna have to explain to me how the heck I hook those things up because I have no idea. Um, I think I looked at it a little bit ago, and I could not figure out what the heck I had to do to get those things to come up uh, as an actual reward. I think I saw something, and I don't remember what it was. So Don't worry, Grimtow. We'll get it figured out somewhere. At some point. Um, yeah, Keep them in so the I don't know. I, I'm kind of personally of the opinion that I do not want uh, the White Sox <laughs> to... Grimtall says, can I spend 12,000 points on a left-handed right fielder? <laughs> I wish you could, but I, I don't really think do. so. I think that uh, those 12,000 channel points have been earmarked for a relief pitcher. Um, of uh, questionable quality. <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, so here we are. We're headed into the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Sebi Zavala's 0-2 uh, with zero outs here. Um, we'll see what uh, see what ends up happening here. We'll be here at least until the, at least until the end of this game. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm of the opinion. I don't. I really don't want them. Ugh, that swing was ugly. Uh, yeah, sure it was. Yeah. Um, I don't want them to spend the money. Uh, the prospects. How about the the, the capital? The prospect capital capital to get one of those top guys because I think that that, you know, if it's, if it's an expiring deal, it will be wasted on this team because I don't think this team's not going to go very deep in the playoffs the way it's built right now. And one player of consequence isn't going to get the job done. Yeah. You know, like Otani, you know, he had a year and a half, so maybe not this year, he doesn't make the ultimate difference this year, but maybe next year having him around in there every game and getting those 40 home runs out of him and having him pitch every fifth day and uh, look like, you know, at least, at least a borderline Cy Young candidate. Well, you know, the Otani thing, it, it would have actually, if they could have made it happen, would have addressed two holes. You need a solid starter when you've got guys like Lance Lynn and Michael Kopech dealing with these, uh, you know, nagging injuries that they've been dealing with. And it would have brought a, a good amount of offense, you know, uh, it, including left-handed yep. power. Wait, uh, that 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 move makes sense to me in a way, just because it 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 addresses two big needs for this White Sox team. But at what cost? You know, we we haven't heard what the White Sox were offering. We just heard that they were in on going for it. Uh, to prove to uh, give a narrative here, uh, Gavin Sheets just went down one two in this count. Uh, 
by check swinging on a slider that hit the top of his foot. Like yeah, it could have could have got him base. It would have been inside and next to impossible to even do anything with anyway. He swung at it, uh, checked his swing, and then it ended up hitting right off the top of his foot. So not only yeah. did he get a strike, but he was also in pain. That's that's what we're looking at here. And it should have been a hit by pitch. Should have been. Could yeah. it, should it have been a hit by pitch had he not waved at it. He could be standing 90 feet closer to scoring. And instead, he's up here flailing at a yet another pitch. So Grimtall saying that uh, that apparently Giolito was in the quote-unquote offer for Shohei Otani, which would be interesting. He could go back home to L.A. Um, hey, Sheets packs one back up the middle for a single. Yeah, almost kills the pitcher. So... I don't know. That's a that's a you know that's an interesting little twist on things. Well, people are clamoring to hear what that offer was, and I find it interesting that uh, that Gio would have been part of it. Well, you know, I don't necessarily think I would have been opposed to it if that was the biggest player coming away from the White Sox, or at least you know the the major league roster. There's AJ Pollock. Pinch running for Gavin, uh, you know. But I would say that uh, it, you know, obviously, G, it's not going to be just Giolito. No, obviously, yeah. It's, you're it's you're probably be. looking at a, a, a Giolito, Oscar Colas, Colson Montgomery, Norhe Vera, <laughs> you know, type deal. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly my point. Is that do you want to strip bear? the top five of your prospect list for this team. I don't have any problem getting rid of Giolito because I'm fairly certain that they weren't going to pay him that big payday that he was looking for. And now he's completely torpedoed that contract himself. So I, you know, I don't have any doubt that he could become that dominant pitcher once again. I just know that he hasn't, right? This year, Agreed. you know, he's had a couple of decent outings, you know, but uh, lots of home runs and uh, two pitch pitcher. So, you know, that doesn't exactly scream at me—the kind of guy that's going to get twenty-five million dollars a year, thirty million dollars a year. So, yeah. So uh, we've got uh, AJ Pollock on first base with one out. Tim Anderson up. There we go. And there Game is off. your double play, your second pitch double play to the third baseman. White Sox lose 2-1 to one to the Kansas City Royals. One of the, uh, I want to say one of the four teams who has less home runs than the White Sox do just hit two home runs off of the White Sox. And won the game two to one. Downright embarrassing. And right back to five hundred. Yep, back down to five hundred. Fifty one and fifty one. Terminally five hundred team. And you are going to go and destroy your farm system that you've 
started rebuilding after a bunch of guys came up to the big club. You're just going to completely torpedo that farm system so you can try and help this team get a couple games over 500. I just, you know, I I do not see the value in in doing that. I don't either. I don't either. You know, if you could get a, a team to take, you know, Blake Rutherford and Mike Adolfo, <laughs> and I don't know, and you know, throw in a, a, a minor league bullpen arm to to get something. Like Billy sure. Bean says, he doesn't want his players I, to pay for soda. So we'll give you a Mike Rodolfo and Blake Rutherford for, uh, you know, fill up my soda machine. Yeah. <laughs> Grimtall says, didn't you text me this week that Judge has more home runs than the White Sox? I did not text you that. I texted you that he had 44, or he that he had 40 home runs and the White Sox starting nine 44. had 44. Now, they did go out and hit a couple of home runs uh, right after that, but They've hit, uh, I believe they've hit three home runs since I tweeted that out. Uh, he has also hit three home runs in that time period. Yeah. So he now has uh, at least, bef- I haven't checked actually since uh, before we started the stream, so it's entirely possible that he might have more home runs because he hit number 43 earlier tonight. All right. So about an hour ago, uh, it comes out that, uh, you know, just a little more uh, trade deadline news here for you. About an hour ago, it came out that uh, Jose Quintana has been traded. Oh, where's Q going? Uh, St. Louis. Hmm. Okay. And I just saw that uh, Jake Odorizzi has been traded to the Strohs. What the heck do they want him for? Do not know. That guy, his back is constantly, constantly out of whack. And like to the point where he misses like a month at a time. That's uh that's interesting acquisition there. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> Grimtall says, I honestly don't pay attention anymore. Uh, you know, I I don't blame you. You know, it's uh, this is one of those teams that you have to be an absolutely ardent follower of the team to pay attention to every single game. You know, if, if you don't follow... like uh living and dying with the team type thing it's really easy to lose track of this team because they are uninspiring uh inconsistent other than the fact that they're pretty consistently bad and they they make mistakes that little league teams would have learned from by this point in the season and, uh, you know, it just makes you, you know, punch yourself in the head or close it, you know, put your head in a, in a door and just close the door over and over again on your head. Um, it's just That's why I said ugly. a couple of weeks ago, you know, watching this team is like, you know, having a kid 
kick in the nuts over and over and over again. You know, I, that actually might be more enjoyable than this because at least I'd feel something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. You'd probably feel anger for both situations. It would probably be uh, unpleasant. Uh, whether it would be more unpleasant, that I can't say because uh, I have only to experience this one. So I have a shred of hope that maybe the other might be slightly better. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm just comparing the two without really knowing. Yeah, uh, it's how I just don't understand how, you know, anybody there. And there's a lot of people still out there that are just super excited for this team. Super excited. Going to defend them till the end. And you know what? I uh, I admire your optimism. I really, really do. But uh, at the same time, I kind of got to look at you like, you know, are you a little touched? Are you are you not seeing the same things that I am here? Or are you seeing them and just choosing to ignore it? Because I'm going to be the better White Sox fan than you. And if that's the case, please don't tell me how to fan. Because you go ahead and do it. You fan your way. I'll fan my way. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Like I said, I admire your... your uh, uh, what's a good word I'm looking for here? I, I admire fervor, penchants for abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to be because a glutton for I, punishment to to be yes, psyched you know, about this I'm, team. I'm here to watch this team. I do it on a day in day out basis for the most of the part. For the most part, I, you know, I don't catch every single game. Obviously, we all have lives and things going on, but. You know, I've probably seen about oh the same amount of games that uh, Sevi Zavala has started. I've probably seen three quarters uh, of these White Sox games this year, and maybe more. Larry Garcia. And did I, is that what I said? Yeah, I said? yeah. You said Sebi Zavala. It's Larry Garcia. Oh, I'm sorry. The seventy-five percenter. Yeah, I, it, Larry Garcia. I've, I've seen the same, probably close to the same, maybe more. Uh, and it's like watching a broken record. You know, and a broken record gets pretty annoying after a while. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of this uh, trade deadline here by 5 o'clock tomorrow. I'm not expecting I expect much. Yeah, I don't really expect much at all. I mean, they got a left-handed reliever, which was one thing that they were really worried about. And Rick Hahn, from what I understand, was saying something about how he's still looking for a starting pitcher, which... I don't understand why it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Tonight, the Royals scored two runs. The problem is not your pitching. The problem is that your offense cannot score any runs. The team struggles to score three runs. So you getting mm-hmm. another starting pitcher does not matter when your team can only score one run against the Kansas City Royals. And it's not like, you know, we're not talking, you know, that this is some random weird occurrence. Like, this is day in, day out baseball. I don't know how the front office can watch this team and say, this is something to build on. Because to me, it looks like it needs to be 
You need to throw them in one of them blender bottles, shake them up real nice, and then figure how you are going to change the dynamic in that locker room. And I don't know that it's going to happen with uh, Tony Larusa at the helm. I just I I don't see it. Um, and you know I I don't want to be that guy that's saying that they can't do it because it's you know the rest of the division is terrible. So it's entirely possible that the White Sox could still manage to get my predicted 83 wins this year and win the division by one game. The rest of the yeah. division is that bad that my prediction still looks fairly solid. And I thought that, you know, I said that I didn't see this team being, you know, a 95-win team, you know, like a lot of people did. Uh, But I thought that I was being very conservative with 83 wins. Now, I didn't feel that I was reaching too far, but I thought that I was going to be like the price is right and guess a little bit low so that way I don't go over, you know? And uh, right now, it's looking like 83 wins. If it's not right on the nose, it might be a little bit high, (laughs) unfortunately, (laughs) because 81 and 81 is 500. You know, they can win 30 more and lose 30 more, and we're at 81 and 81. Right. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Real quick, just a little bit more uh, trade deadline information here for you. Mm -hmm. And I find this Tariq Skubal of the Tigers Tigers, uh, left his start tonight with what they're calling left arm fatigue. Hmm. And it just came across the wire that uh, the Tigers have traded Robbie Grossman. And apparently he's going to the Braves. Yep. You know, it's it's weird, you know, that uh, these teams that are consistently in contention, like uh, like the Braves... They make these uh, these kind of moves, and you know what? I have no doubt that he's at least going to be useful, serviceable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny. It, it like you said, it's the same four or five teams. It's the same four or five teams we were listening, to, talking about in the off season. And now we here we are, mid-season trade deadline, and the same four or five teams are making moves. The Astros, the Yankees, Braves, Dodgers are even in on a, 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 a talked about a little bit here. Uh, you know, it, it it's baffling how the same four or five teams can be in on everybody and win in the free agent market, win at the trade deadline, and Nassau's just, we had a seat at the table. It, that's another broken record that gets really, really old. It's quite frustrating. Yep. Uh, so to uh, talk about the Kansas City Royals starter, 
And like the reason I don't even bother looking at this stuff before the White Sox games anymore because I know that these matters these these numbers do not matter because they're playing the Chicago White Sox. Uh, but he was three he's three and seven with a five oh five ERA with a one point five eight whip. Uh, on the season he had uh, fifty uh, what thirty three walks and seventy three strikeouts. So he strikes out uh, basically about two to one, roughly. Um, he had seven strikeouts tonight. Do you know how many walks the White Sox had tonight? One, I think. One. Moncada. Yep. One. Yohan Moncada in the seventh or eighth inning. Yep. That was one it. One walk. At, at that point, they were in the bullpen. So it was not even given up by Lynch. Yep. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, Lynch tonight, 5.1 innings, six hits, zero runs, seven Ks, no walks, no home runs. <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, the, it's something. The Astros. Man. Wow. Okay, so the Astros are requiring Will Smith from in exchange for Jay Goderizzi. Same Will Smith that was talked about in conjunction with the White Sox in the in the the preseason, I believe. So we're kind of looking. The for. Astros just got uh, who's that? Christian Guzman or uh, yeah. hmm. well, that's something. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting. Christian Vasquez, that's Chris. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it also got, says that the Braves are in on Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard becoming more prevalent. <laughs> I'm getting all kinds of stuff here from Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal. Yeah, and Rudolph uh, is posting it in the chat people. as well. <clears throat> wow. This is uh so the Astros just uh not only did they get a very solid defensive catcher in Vasquez, then they get Will Smith who can hit the ball as well and is pretty good defensively as well. So if they're planning on moving somebody else. I I kind of doubt it. You know, the Astros they they feel the uh the Mariners breathing down their necks and the you know the Mariners just traded for uh Castillo. So I'm right. sure that the Astros feel like they, you know, it's best that they make some sort of effort to upgrade. Um Yeah, that's uh that's interesting. And uh, you know, we watched the uh, the White Sox sit on the stationary bike, not going anywhere. So, and you know, like I said, inconsistent, bad baseball. Yeah. So I, I perfectly. I'm fine. not expecting any detours from this team this season. Honestly, they're going to stay the course. It is just it is what it is. 
You know, yeah. I wonder if they're just looking at this next year and hoping that Aaron Bomber is going to be healthy and Garrett Crochet is going to be healthy. And, it's like know, signing a primo free agent. Yeah, you know we're we're gonna we're gonna get our guys back, and that's and don't gonna, you worry. We're gonna we're gonna roll next season. Yep, that's gonna be that's we're, gonna be the rally call. We're gonna get all our guys, our guys. Everybody's gonna be healthy, and then we're gonna charge into this season. <laughs> Man, yeah, um, yeah. That game and this trade deadline and. Uh, all that. I'm uh yeah, I'm not thrilled. No. <laughs> no. Oh. Well, you know, there it is. There's there's those multiple kicks in the balls. Yeah, I mean they're we consistent. We can just sit here and do streams. We can sit here and do streams and just, you know, watch trade deadlines go by and watch the White Sox play the, the the Royals, I might as well stand here and get kicked in the balls over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more or less, it's exactly like the free agent market before the season, you know? We sat here and watched as everybody else was making moves and doing things and getting things done. Meanwhile, we watched the White Sox and uh, no, no positive movement at all. You know, I know that, uh, you know, last year... Han got uh you know the Kimbrel trade done. But um <laughs> Truthsayer says, seriously, are we getting absolutely nothing out of this rebuild? Um I you know, I can't say that we're getting nothing. Uh we're getting uh pain and anguish and uh disappointment. Uh, we've definitely gotten quite a bit of that so far. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens because, uh, you know, it was mentioned in here earlier that it was rumored. Um, let's see. I can't stand. I didn't see that. Can't stand Mike North, but he nailed it. The Sox are really good at getting. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. They are really good at. Yeah, I saw that tweet. The Sox are really good at getting into the media that they tried, and they, they are also really good at not getting those guys. That is 100% yep. facts. Um, yeah, we got hope and dreams, and that's that's about all we got out of it so far. Now, if it's, uh, if it's true that uh, Giolito was part of the offer for Shohei Otani, um, I think that the. Interesting thing is that that says what the mindset is towards Lucas Giolito. Oh, they're not signing him. They're not signing him. I I, I kind of knew they weren't going to sign him last season when there was talks about trying to reach an agreement. Yeah, and then there it, was it's, arguments it's not, over like $500,000 or something or $100,000. Right, right. We, we uh, already saw that. We, you, you know, you're talking about arbitration numbers. Not being able to be reached over two hundred, I think it was two hundred thousand. So, yeah, it was actually. some some silly small number. Which you know, in the, in the you know in the real world, in the regular world, that's a lot of money. In right. the baseball world, it's Not a drop so in the it, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when you see things like that, and you look at the history of this organization, their modus operandi is not to pay pitchers big money on long-term deals, which 
I get the understanding of, or the, you know, the, the, the train of thought of, you know, pitchers are volatile health wise and, you know, sometimes effectiveness, but what we've been talking about with this team and this rebuild over the years, you know, since, you know, going back to middle of, or end of 2016, uh, you watched Rick Hahn really work some magic in some situations where they went out and they got a bunch of guys they thought were going to be uh, those players of consequence. They went out and they got the, the Lucas Giolitos and the Dylan Ceases and, the, you know, they signed Luis Robert to the largest uh, – international contract before uh, they changed the rules and that, you know, in, in the way that that works. And you think to yourself, okay, you know, we go out and we get these guys and then they bring in, they bring in Tony LaRusa to lead the way. And you go, what in the actual F just happened? And then we get this off season after the lockout where we get a bunch of, the whole world is talking about the three holes they need to fill. And they really didn't address those three holes at all. The same three holes we've been talking about for years. Didn't address them at all. I think maybe we might. There's there's a good chance that we might have gone through this rebuild for absolutely nothing. Yep. There's a very good possibility. Yep. It, it feels that way right now. It, you know, we, we, were, we were built up just to be knocked down right at the moment when things were supposed to happen, you get right to the pinnacle, right to the top of that hill where you're going, okay, now's the time to strike with a hot iron, and we is getting nobody. <laughs> yes. MLB source. Let's see. Jacob Rizzi to the Braves for Will Smith. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Hmm. Frank Thomas says, this is like death by a thousand paper cuts. This is tough to watch night in and night out with this talent. This is what your post-game analysts are saying about your team. These are company employees because essentially Jerry Reinsdorf owns two-thirds of that network. You know, between Frank Thomas and Chuck Garfine, who's, you know, he is generally a pretty positive person, uh, but even he has been thrown his, uh, you know, throwing his hat in the ring, saying things about this White Sox team. And Ozzy Gann's not holding back very much either. You know, I'm glad you bring this up. Actually, did you see the Steve Stone tweet the other day? Stoney, who's been kind of biting this, you know, on, on the on the tweet machine, has been kind of. Uh, I, you know, I don't know, towing the company line a little bit, telling people that you know, settle down and slow down, and you know, about it, things are not what you say they are. And then I think it was a day before yesterday, and I have the tweet right here in front of me. I'm looking it up. Steve Stone tweets: Here are some facts. Most of your criticisms are correct. Our boys have been trying hard to drop out of the race but the division won't let them. They are only three back despite playing like a little league team at times. We won't be sellers by the 8-2, the August 2nd deadline. So you say there's a chance? Yes. So basically what he's saying is there's a chance to win a division. 
as we all know, there still is, be- just because it's a terrible division. But yep. he's also saying, basically, this team sucks. Yep, more or less. And, and that's unlike Steve Stone to come out and give, especially the people on the old Twitter, the, the, the toilet that Twitter is. He's actually giving you something like, okay, you know what? You guys are right. They look like little leaguers. They're beating themselves. They just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Yep. Criticisms are correct. Yeah. Now for you know, you bring up Frank Thomas, Ozzie Gian, Chuck Garfine, Steve Stone. Those are some pretty heavy hitters in uh in Chicago and employed by, like you say, the company that Jerry Reinsdorf owns three quarters of. Two thirds, but yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's a majority. Yeah, way. he doesn't own the Blackhawks, but you know he owns the Bulls and the White Sox. So, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. I, I, you know, we try and uh, you know, I was I was thinking that uh, even though the White Sox were down two nothing, I was fully expecting them to come back and beat the Royals because it's the Royals, um, but they did not, and uh, Minnesota won. So. They are back to, back to three, three. Yeah, back to three games out, and um, the Guardians also won. So they are two games behind the Guardians now instead of uh, one game back. So they lost ground to both of the other teams in front of them in the division. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, it's a true sayer says uh, totally unlike Stony, and it. You know he will call out nonsense when he sees it, um, but on Twitter where it's in print that hasn't been uh he has he hasn't been uh, quite as willing to you know take them out behind the woodshed in you know in text format when he's when he's ready to do that that says something yeah it really does uh team's just rough <laughs> yeah I mean, it really is starting to show that when these guys can't hide their disappointment, the way that we have not been hiding our disappointment, uh, it's that's something. It's, you know, now, granted, it, again, we're talking about the uh, the owner that is loyal to a fault, so I don't really know how much of your paycheck you're putting on the line by saying these things. Uh, you know, we all know Ozzy Gian went out and said a bunch of stuff years ago, and look where he is now. He's back on the payroll in, you know, a different form. And, you know, Jerry has actually been quoted as coming out and saying he still loves Ozzy. But, uh, you know, the reality is, is these guys are getting paid essentially in in, in a roundabout way by the chairman and, and his uh, group of cronies, the ownership group. And they're kind of throwing a team under the bus a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, with that uh, that planted story with uh, Bob Nightingale before about uh, lack of leadership in the uh, in the dugout and or in the uh, in the locker room and whatever. Um, there's been throwing of you know players under the bus, but then, like you alluded to earlier that uh, Liam Hendricks and Lucas Giolito are going on, you know, doing interviews and saying that ah, guys have gotten complacent. So if they know that, what's management doing? And that's, you know, 
in direct conflict to what Bob Nightingale's being told is that the problem is the players not having any leadership from the players and you know Lucas Giolito and Liam are saying well guys have gotten complacent think that they're just going to show up and win well guess who's supposed to change that the manager is supposed to put forth at least somewhat some effort to try and change that culture but then he runs Larry Garcia out there in 75% of the games with a 45 OPS plus which is just absurd so <laughs> Larry Garcia into the Hall of Fame breaking news thank you for that uh, giggle Rudels. Oh man. Rudy. <laughs> All right, well it's 10:40. I don't see that there's any reason to put ourselves through 20 more minutes of this nonsense talking about this. Yeah, we don't have to track this This team that out. yeah, exactly. The team that's not putting out any effort. I don't <laughs> why like, should we? Yeah, why should we put forth <laughs> 20 extra minutes of uh, effort here when these guys score one run in the game barely managed to beat, you know, teams that are several games under 500 and last places in their division. So, yeah, you know, I wish I, at this time, I wish I was a little more like Tony LaRusa because I think I'm going to need a sleep aid to get myself bed tonight. I mean, this guy just seems like he can fall asleep at, you know, seven o'clock in the evening. Yeah, it's no problem for him. Daylight in a stadium with you know twenty five thousand fans in it, and noise and everything else going on. Uh, not to mention the fact that he's you know supposed to be leading this team. But hey, I'm just going to take a nap right here <laughs> in the dugout. What a joke! <laughs> yeah, that's the that's that's the guy who was chosen to be the uh, the leader of this uh, this rebuild here. Got rid of. Uh, I, mean, I, don't know, I, I don't know how many ball games you've been to in your lifetime, but it's not a quiet place. Has been this year. Well, I mean, you know, well, uh, there hasn't been many fireworks. I'll give you that. Well, yeah, but, you know, there's 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 music and noise and chants, screaming, and you know all this other stuff. But uh, this guy's just going to take a nap. Just gonna close my eyes, wander off to a better place. Yikes! <laughs> I mean, it's not like we haven't been, you know, talking about the possibility of this happening for the entire, you know, tenure of TLR here back in Chicago. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anywho. Uh, this has been White Grim Sox Daily Live. Crimtall's on, eBay. on yeah. eBay buying old car parts right now. There hey. you go. Yeah, well, that's better. Hey, time well spent comparatively to watching that uh, dreck. Um, yeah, we did hear booze when we went to the game, and it was uh, it was well-deserved. Um, White Sox Daily Live at Daily White Sox on Twitter. WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com is our website, which uh, Dan Victor 
uh, our Dan Victor put out a uh, a nice insider article about the uh, the draft and uh, the prospects who are coming in um, and why the regional scouts decided to push for the guys that they that they did end up drafting. So uh, there's a lot of nice. You know, a lot of nice stuff in there and um, interesting things that uh, you might not find elsewhere. Um, so do us a favor and stop over by the site and read the article. Um, yeah, so there's uh, also YouTube you can find in our Twitter profile. Um, we will be back here next Monday, hopefully with uh, some good news. Um, I keep on saying this, you know, every week that there's, yeah, exactly. That next week there will be, you know, we're talking about the White Sox rattling off some wins and looking like a, like a new team. And it's, uh, yet we come back every week and it's, uh, you know, if we, if we get a baseball game on a Monday night, it usually ends up, uh, you know, torpedoing the second half of the stream because uh, we're seeing this offense or lack of offense rather. So, um, but uh, yeah, thanks for coming and hanging out in the chat guys. Um, Thanks for uh, supporting the stream. We appreciate it. And uh, this will be available in podcast form tomorrow. Um, It will be out roughly around 7 a.m. ish. So uh, if you have uh, a preferred podcast, provider go ahead and look us up daily white uh, white Sox daily and um we appreciate you guys thank you um at i eskridge at danny miller wsd my name is ian eskridge for my co-host the danny miller you guys have a great night and uh we will catch up with you guys next week 